Hello and welcome to Voices in Innovation from GigaOM. I am your host, Johnny Baldisberger, and today I am joined by our VP of Research, John Collins. Uh, John, I gotta tell you, it would feel really natural there for me to say your middle name, but I have no idea what that is, so you just <laughs> got the two. How are yeah. you today? You, you, you can have that. It, my, my name is actually Jonathan Paul, but that's a bit of a mouthful. Follows <laughs> VP of research, so uh, and I, all right, I'm full of imposter syndrome. So, uh, um, but we, we but we can talk about that as I go through the research. Absolutely. So uh, we got you on here today because you recently wrote a report that we put out called uh, "Digital Risk Compliance." and data centricity, the value of centralization in a distributed world, which is also a mouthful. It certainly is. Now, this is, uh, this is a report that uh, was sponsored by Microsoft, uh, which, you know, we work, uh, we work with them in order to put out a lot of really great benchmarks. Uh, and this, in fact, was a, a report written based on a survey uh-huh. Uh, that you put together. I did. I so, <laughs> so uh, kind of just starting at the top, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the process of putting together a survey on, you know, digital risk complaints and data centricity. What, uh, what were you looking for? What, uh, what sort of questions did you need to avoid and, and where, where were you able to bear down and really get at the meat of the issue and information you were trying to gather. There's quite a lot to unpack there. So, so let's see how I get on. But it, it, essentially, what we're trying to do with any survey, we're, we're not just trying to find stuff out. Um, we're trying to work out what's the interesting stuff that's actually going to cause people to go, oh, wow, okay, I get it. And therefore, in some way, change their behavior so so it's it, if we're writing a report here which is you know it's all about uh, uh, risk and compliance uh, we didn't want to just say there's risk out there you've got to comply um, because that would just be so dull uh, and and I've seen I've seen those kind of reports and that you, you get press releases about it and it says things like 95 percent of respondents uh, see the sky is blue and you're like yeah, that's that that's great, and, and they don't go any further. So, so what we're trying to do with the report is very much um, uh, make it um, have some kind of bearing on, on what people are going to do. So, and that happens in two ways. The first is uh, a question we ask up front: is yeah, what behaviour do we want to change uh, by people reading this? And the second is what 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 actions do we do we want to inspire? Um, and uh, so that that really kind of set the scene for, for for the research. And then the other aspect of it is also um, surveys tend to exist to to find things out. If you're you know call me old fashioned, you ask people questions, that's what happens. But um, you there's there's two aspects to that. One is you want to find out whether or not uh, things are as you think they are. And the second aspect is you want to find out why they are uh, the way that you think they are and, and, and why they're not. So um, 
uh, the whole thing becomes when, when you start framing it in that, in that way the whole thing becomes around it's not just finding stuff out you're also testing hypotheses and then you're you're testing those hypotheses in order to to work out what's what's behind those hypotheses and in this case uh it was all around this notion of uh well the dual notion um if you look at that header digital risk compliance and data centricity it was all about digital risk and it was all about data centricity and compliance is the fulcrum if you like between the two okay uh you surveyed over 300 uh, individuals uh, with this. How did you decide who to target and whose answers you wanted? This is, this is really going into, into, into the theory of, of, of survey design, um, which is really interesting. Um, so the, one of the issues with, it, with any survey is, is you're always going to have a level of bias. So if you, if you ask people, uh, for example, if you ask people about their experiences of using iPhones, you, you're going to have iPhone users because uh, otherwise they wouldn't have any experience. Uh, and generally, iPhone users are quite uh, positive about the whole, you know, the whole, uh, the concept of, 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 the, of, the, of the iPhone fan, fanboy um, exists. So then you've got kind of, how, how do we ask questions um, that are actually going to give us a, a real genuine response as opposed to just, it's all great, it's all great, fantastic. And, and we, we faced a similar thing in this survey. So we wanted people who have uh, a bearing on uh, how their organization is uh, dealing with regulation, how their organization is managing risk, how their organization is, 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 is uh, uh, responding to its compliance requirements. And uh, and, and, and then more generally about how, it, how it's using technology to, to, to address uh, all, all of those things. So inevitably, we're gonna be asking people, um, uh, and we had a, a big filter up front around uh, what, uh, you know, are, are you involved in, in decisions? Uh, uh, and you know, are you buying things or are you setting strategy around, uh, around risk and compliance and, and so on? Uh, so yeah, we had some big filters there, but then the questioning itself also was taking into account the fact that it was that kind of that kind of group. So they're very conscious about risk. They're very uh, understanding about the the negatives that can happen to an organisation. So we didn't want to just dwell on those things. We also wanted to ask them uh, their experience as observers onto other parts of the business, which is where a lot of you know, surveys can get really interesting there. Uh, in your executive summary for this report, the very first bullet point is digital transformation is the number one priority affecting organizations today. And uh, I have a bit of a bone to pick with you on that point. Um, digital transformation is a phrase I hear slung about constantly in every vertical we research in in every aspect of the tech industry everything's about digital uh transformation it almost feels like i'm back in the 80s where people are talking about synergizing their paradigms how is how is digital transformation not a buzzword what does it what does it mean in this context why isn't it why is it an important data point 
Well, just to, to let you and the audience know, if, if I wasn't recording this podcast right now, I would too be synergizing my paradigms right now. <laughs> uh, I, I try to do that generally at the same time every day. And I find my paradigms are so much, so much better as a result. Um, it's but build, building on what, um, what I was just saying. Uh, we were asking people whose backgrounds were risk, right? So, uh, if you if you ask someone if you ask a security specialist what do you think is the most important thing that your business needs to sort out right now they'd probably go uh, do you know what security is and it, and if you were to ask a, a customer uh, customer experience specialist they'd probably say mm, customer experience that's the most important thing so when we asked the questions around uh, uh, what are the major factors influencing your organisation right now. The fact that digital transformation had appeared as number one, given the fact we asked uh, people with a, a risk management uh, strategy uh, 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 aspect, uh, is really quite significant. Um, and of course, you've got the question of what the heck even is digital transformation? And yeah, you know, we, we, we can throw a definition down, um, but it's one of those really, really interesting areas that uh, it, it, it's less of a concrete term, um, although we can apply, you know, it's use of cloud, it's use of social, it's use of mobile, use of uh, analytics and AI, it's use of uh, IoT, it, it's how all the business uh, harnesses those kind of more leading edge technologies. But actually, it's the term acts more as a touchstone than anything. And it, it's one of those terms that's best also understood by what it represents so it's not about a, a transformation to digital it's about a transformation from a non-digital environment where technology is just seen as a bunch of tools uh, it's that stuff over there uh, the transformation is actually uh, making uh, technology an inherent part of everything the organization does rather than just we do some data entry from time to time and that that it, it's so maybe the more important word in digital transformation is the word transformation. Um, and I'm under no illusion about the notion of, uh, you know, is it even possible to transform uh, versus just shift a little bit, move linearly? And there's a whole conversation we can have there. But actually, the, 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 the issue is one of getting an organization from old ways of doing things, old practices, uh, manual manual um, activities, etc., and moving to a, a digital first approach where technology is very an inherent part of everything that happens. I hope that explains it. I I feel less lost than I did before. <laughs> now. Uh, if I'm reading this correctly, the, the next major factor is monitor, monitoring and preserving privacy, mm -hmm. which will go hand in hand with digital risk. Um, can we talk a little bit about what digital risk means uh, in terms of centralization and data centricity? Sure. And, and as I say, so... Um... Digital transformation as a term, sure, we can we can define it, but actually, uh, it's more of a touchstone. I didn't really cover what I meant by that. It, it's the fact we're having conversations about it, 
and it becomes the header of what we're talking about, each organization will be doing something very different uh, when it comes to change. But they know that they have to change and they know it has to be a technology led change. So the specifics of what they're doing um, will, will, will vary. Uh, but uh, then when we're looking at it, interestingly, from the point of view of uh, what, what are the ramifications of, of what it enables, one of the huge ramifications that we've seen with technology, and we're seeing it pretty much everywhere, is that technology takes away the, uh, the boundary between you and your customer. And something that was very apparent uh, until relatively recently was that um, the uh, organizations were seeing customers as a source of revenue because that's what customers are, right? They, they give you a customer, you make money out of them. So the big term was monetization. We can, we, we can find out lots more about our customers and then we can monetize that data. We can monetize our customers. But then more recently over the past few years, uh, and I have to, as, as someone that was uh, relatively skeptical about GDPR um, when, it, when it was first mooted, uh, I have to say it's, it's had a massive impact. Uh, the need to um, think about customers, not just as a, a kind of source of income and think about the relationship with customers and the fact that customers uh, need to be treated in the right way ha has become a much, much, much more important factor uh, and organizations have fully embraced that. And I think there's two, two reasons why. One is the fact they've been told to through regulation, through uh, the you know, general data protection regulation in Europe, uh, which is in effect on uh, the US companies, and then US regulations like the, the, the Californian uh, CCPA, uh, which is uh, different to, but similar uh, in aspect to, to, to GDPR. Um, so we've got the regulations that are saying, you got it. But then at the same time, we've got the reality of uh, business today is about engaging with customers. And if customers don't like you, they will walk. Uh, and uh, so you can't have a relationship which is one-sided where you just take, you have to give something as well. And so this aspect of monitoring and preserving privacy, sure, it's about uh, meeting regulation, but it's also about recognizing that you have to be nice to your customers, otherwise they won't work with you. And then if we work down through the stack, um, the regulatory check, that, that's where we're starting to see, uh, you know, keeping up with regulatory change has been uh, a common theme uh, in every survey that, that I've ever run of this form because regulation is always changing fast. But it's interesting to think how that creates, if digital transformation is all about change, then you've got regulatory change, which is change that's imposed on you. You've got the interplay between the two of how can you make the changes you want at the same time as having to uh, make the changes other people want you to make. And, and that makes things really tricky for organizations. Speaking of regulations, we're mostly talking about the GDPR and CCPA um, when we're talking about regulations, right? Um, to, y yes, yes and Yes, that's true because uh, what they did was they ushered in a new kind of regulation, which I could easily, most easily state as regulations with teeth. 
so uh, if you if you um, uh, uh, breach uh, the the requirements of GDPR, uh, you are you are fined in terms of your revenue, uh, and you'll find quite a lot. So so it, it's really quite a scary thing to, to fall foul of. Whereas past regulations were more of a kind of uh, wrap on the knuckle, you know, few thousand dollars kind of, kind of job. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there's a there's a raft of regulations in every industry. The finance industry has got its own in regulations. Uh, most businesses that deal with customers have to deal with PCI DSS, which is the payment card regulation. Healthcare, of course, has HIPAA and, and all of those regulations around uh, medical devices. And uh, uh, the, the difficulty is that our, the bodies that set regulations are constantly behind the curve trying to fix regulations that work. Um, and... Uh, so even now, when we look at GDPR, um, I've said, you know, uh, how, how it's, it, it's being uh, very successful. But if we look at the kinds of threats that we're seeing on uh, social media around fake news, around um, conspiracy theories being spread, around uh, cyberbullying and trolling and that kind of thing, um, the regulations weren't designed to cover that. So they're constantly trying to keep up. With, with how they how they address the, those new challenges and that's just an example that you know that common people would would, would understand um, but uh, it's similar in every industry that they're, they're constantly on the back foot uh, the regulations are and therefore they're constantly changing and uh, being being updated for for businesses so how, how do you deal with that is, is a huge challenge that was going to be my next question is how how do you feel these regulations do in terms of what's necessary uh but <laughs> i feel like you've you've sort of covered that um okay. but you know the uh regulations are you know sometimes geographical sometimes industry-wide uh depending on on what you're you know what industry you're in for instance you mentioned hipaa so do you feel that uh most companies and the companies you surveyed uh, do the bare minimum of what they need to do to not get fined? Or do you feel that most people are, are uh, going above and beyond to keep their customers and their own data safe? I, I mean, that, 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 that's a very good question. We didn't ask that question directly, but we've got, we asked that question indirectly in a lot of different ways. And I think that um, the the easiest way of, of, of answering that question is <clears throat> that organizations have their work cut out. So if you've got any, any regulation is um, a set of things that you have to do. So it's a set of rules you have to keep. And uh, th those rules, so it, it's a set of pol a policies, just a set of rules. So it's a set of policies that, uh, for example, um, you, if you're if you're keeping customer data, you have to keep it for the right reasons. You have to say how you're keeping it. If you lose it, you have to say what you're going to do with it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And one of the challenges that organisations have is it's not only um, uh, having those, you know, understanding those regulations, uh, and even as they change, it's then being able to apply those regulations to what they've got. So. Um, and this is what I mean by they've got the work cut out. If you've got 
terabytes or petabytes of data around your customers from all kinds of aspects, then mapping that onto the regulations uh, from a policy perspective. And uh, A, you've got to keep to the regulations, and then B, you've got to report that you've done it. So a lot of the challenge comes down to what technologies do you have in place to understand what data you've got, uh, structured and unstructured data. So structured data, databases and so on. Unstructured data uh, is, is documents and emails and uh, spreadsheets and uh, all, that, all that kind of thing. Um, but uh, the, uh, the, the challenge is actually knowing uh, being able to simply apply the regulation to all your different data, wherever it may be, and, uh, and, and then being able to prove that you've done so. And it keeps people very busy. So it, it's a big job. One of the most surprising points on your report for me personally uh, was on the question, where is the non-regulatory risk coming from? And the the tiniest answer, it's not that tiny. It's you know close to a quarter of the people answered as a primary concern. But employees using their own devices, the BYOD, the bring your own advi- uh, device, because it, it's common knowledge that the biggest risk to security is the human element. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would have really thought um, that that would be higher on the list. And, and the next smallest answer is careless employees, <laughs> which again, I thought, I thought both of those would just be right there at the top. And yeah, interestingly, uh, when I, when because Microsoft sponsored this research. And so we had a lot of discussions with Microsoft about the, those two particular data points and, and, um, uh, and what, why, why they are as they are. Um, and if you look at the, 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 the figures, uh, top, top of the charts is evolving consumer needs and expectations of you know, 43%, 44% of, of uh, organizations saw that as a primary concern. And then as you point out, bottom of the list with only 24% compared to 44 uh, was the BYOD stuff. So, um, and, and I, I think we have to take into account of these very, very interesting times that we're in. So um, one of the great things we did with, with this study, which, which really brought it to life, was uh, we were able to speak to a number of uh, third parties, uh, consulting firms and, and, uh, and uh, uh, solution providers uh, um, that, that actually implement uh, GRC solutions, uh, governance risk and compliance solutions. And so we asked them about this and said, so is it that, uh, you know, is it that employees are, are highly trustworthy and they're not doing anything wrong and that it's really low risk? And they said, no, 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 absolutely not. That, that's not the case. But what is the case is that right now, that's not the most significant concern. Uh, and uh, so if you look at the overall um, mapping, if, if you were to organize the charts um, uh, according to uh, level of concern, then inside a threat would probably come out at kind of in the, in the top four or five uh, rather than down at position eight. Uh, and uh, so, so it, it's kind of it, it, it's kind of somewhere in the middle and, and but it's up there. 
But right now, um, organizations are having to trust employees uh, because uh, with COVID, uh, they are, everyone's working from home. So, you, uh, and I, I think another inter really interesting phenomenon that we've seen is that employees have also been very good at, at playing their parts in, in that trust relationship. So it's been a case of an organization saying, oh my God, really sorry, everyone's going to have to work from home and we're just going to have to cope. Are you okay with that? And everyone goes, okay, let's do that. And we've been all on Zoom calls, we've been all on uh, interaction uh, and people have been getting on with the job. Uh, maybe there's a factor of people just being delighted to still have a job, I don't know. Uh, but I, I'm, I'd be really interested to run this uh, particular question in a year's time, uh, if this is the new normal, um, or at least for the next few couple of years, that we're going to be in a similar position and see whether or not uh, new and different risks have started to emerge of people working from home. Maybe you know, people in between meetings will start going to do a bit of shopping or they'll start, you know, um, uh, sorting out sorting out the children to an extent uh, more than uh, is just kind of sorting out the children. Uh, and and I, I really don't know, but right now um, we have a, a, a really highly positive but potentially tenuous trust relationship that's had to develop between uh, companies and their employees. And similarly, on, on the bring your own device thing, I think organizations are delighted that, that, that uh, individuals are able, uh, in certain cases, to, to use their own devices. Uh, and um, it's not proving as much of a, a threat as, as previously uh, thought. Uh, but again, I would imagine that uh, over the next uh, few years, uh, we're going to have to start applying a, a stronger belt and braces because, um, <clears throat> as you know, um, it's the old adage about you know that when a bank robber was asked why do you rob banks uh, and they said well because that's where the money is um, the the bad guys don't care about where uh, the points of insecurity are they just go for the weakest spots so if the weakest spots are going to be people using their own mobile devices for accessing company data then uh, uh, you know, permeability water will get through. The, the bad guys will address that um, as uh, as the weakest spots, and uh, it'll need it'll need to be fixed. But right now, it's it's not seen as the biggest challenge for organisations. Uh, and and up up the top of the list, still very very much about the customer, uh, either uh, needs and expectations or the social and reputational risk that comes with doing things wrong by the customer, which is the point I was making earlier. Thank you. And sort of a, a last question here. Was there anything that was really kind of flabbergasting or uh, bewildering to you in the results? Um, obviously a really good question there was a paradox in the results i think um we saw um clearly uh you, you've already asked me about the digital transformation aspect which is seen as huge a lot of that transformation is seen as uh moving to more cloud-based models and i know from from this and from other research uh, the way that organizations are going is it, 
there isn't a kind of uh, final destination uh, for um, uh, for where data should be or the way that uh, applications should be structuring. It's actually the opposite. That we're going for a fragmented world where data can be anywhere uh, across multiple cloud providers. Um, and um, uh, also, also, also on premise, and the, the the challenge comes from from managing that uh, that 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 fragmentation. So what we're seeing from the, the research is yes, very much a move to to using cloud-based uh, repositories, for example, for uh, unstructured data. But then when organisations were asked, so where do you see the the biggest challenges from? Uh, uh, for data protection, for, for actually protecting that data, that they, they said uh, that um, uh, cloud-based data breaches were, were right up at the top um, along, alongside direct hacking by, by external third parties. So they're putting more data into the cloud, even as they're concerned about the data being in the cloud. And it's not that the cloud is any uh, more or less uh, secure uh, in a lot of cases, it will be more secure than, than um, uh, having data on premise, but also having data on premise, you can, uh, you can play the security by obscurity card, you can make it harder for people to, to get to. Uh, uh, so it, it's not that it's necessarily more or less at risk, but it's just the fact that the responsibility for uh, the, the managing the, the data security is having to move to a, a cloud focus. And one of the things that we discussed quite a lot in, in the research and, and around the research was this notion of shared responsibility. If you are going to put your data in 15 different buckets in various different places, you can't guarantee that those buckets are all going to be secure by design or by default. You've got to take responsibility for making sure that each cloud provider uh, or your own departments or whether it's going to be on mobile phones and on laptops, uh, that each one of those places is secure enough for storing that data. So um, the, the the challenge of dealing with security is not is not going away any, anytime soon. That's for sure. Awesome, thank you, John. And if you want to find out more about any of this data centricity, uh, risk, any of it at all, you can go to gigom.com and and find the report by John Collins there. Uh, but I'll also tell you, we have a lot of research on uh, risk and security and privacy on gigum.com. For instance, uh, later this month, we have the webinar on high-performance application security testing, uh, which uh, Jake Dolezal will be uh, heading that. And if you really want to, Simon Gibson has written several reports, uh, the key criteria for evaluating phishing protection platforms. He's written a report on deception technology, uh, network traffic for security. So we have a lot on the subject for you if that is something you want to learn about. But you can find all of these webinars, our reports, uh, and articles. We also do blog posts on everything under the sun Really, for any future forward advice on the IT industry, you can come to gigohm.com and find the research there. John, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Johnny. Great. For Gigaohm, I'm John Baltusberger, and this has been 
voices in innovation. Just listen.